0: Welcome to The Corporate Middle. I'm your host, Donald Metter. Today, I have a special episode for you. I had a great conversation with Blake Benz. He's an executive coach, and we talk about all kinds of topics, from leadership to why so many changes within companies fail. So much so that we talked for a really long time, and so I'm going to do something a little different and actually make this a two-part episode. I think you're really going to enjoy it and get a lot out of it. So listen in to part one of my conversation with Blake Benz.
1: Welcome to The Corporate Middle, your survival guide for corporate insanity.
0: Welcome to the show today. I am excited because I have a special guest for you. His name is Blake Benz, and he owns a business coaching service. He has worked with some incredibly high-profile clients and helped them focus on management, leadership, and building rock star employees. Blake, excited to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me today. I appreciate it. We have a bit of a connection. Obviously, we're both graduates of the University of Arkansas and a mutual friend, as in my brother, which is how we got connected. Uh, so hopefully you won't hold that against me. Hey,
1: no, I, I, I'm reserving judgment until this episode's over.
0: <laughs> that's probably the best way to do it. So one of the things I really want to, to start with is in the leadership coaching that you do just on a mm. daily basis. And obviously, leadership is one of the things that I really focus on here with mental managers. You know, what is the most common thing that you see leaders are challenged with today? Well, I'd probably give you two things.
1: There's there's two things that people really struggle with, and it's they're on totally opposite ends of the spectrum. And so you have people who, so on one end, you have ego and ego. Actually, someone was asking me, hey, what are the top three things you always deal with? And I was like, I got to tell you, number one, again and again and again, is ego, is you'll have somebody who will work together and they they want to work with you enough to have paid you, but they don't necessarily want to change how they, it's kind of like, you know, on when you go decide you want to go to the gym and like you want to get in shape, but you don't really necessarily want to actually go through the sweat and tears of doing that and so i'll work with quite a few people who they're having a problem with a particular employee and what's funny is 99 percent of the time the issue is never really the employee now sometimes sometimes it is the employee like i was working with a guy i was talking to a guy last weekend and he was saying how his employee wants to start sleeping in the office just just because for whatever reason and I was like, okay, well, that's that's less with about your style and more about a really weird employee. So a lot of times it's ego. On the flip side, a lot of leaders, when they think about leadership, it's this really massive concept. It's like this massive pill to swallow. And it's like, oh my gosh, how do I, you know, what does it mean to be a leader? Like, what books do I need to read? How do I need to do this? And what happens is people start to walk out their leadership style in what they've seen other people do instead of owning what their own personality and style is. Like for a good example of this would be, I had a mentor when I was younger who was like, you know, people you lead, you can't be friends with. And so as I was leading teams and after that, I remember being very direct and also sometimes kind of harsh because in my mind, it was this belief structure of, well, I can't be friends with them. You know, I'm their boss. Well, now the way that I lead is that's I, I am very relational with people and I am very much, if we're going to work together, then we're going to be like family and we're going to get to know each other. And so I do spend time with them. I do, you know, let's, hey, let's grab coffee. Let's spend time together. And I try to be very visible with my own flaws. And what that's actually done is it's built trust in a way where people really like working for me and they really enjoy. It's like Blake's a real person rather than, you know, this title that, right. you know, he just hides behind. So It'd be on one of those two sides, is what I would say, are the most common things I see.
0: Well, I have to say that I have fallen into the trap of both of those uh-huh. <laughs> during my career. I know ego is is difficult, uh, mostly because I'm always right, uh, and so it's a challenge. <laughs> it's a challenge. Are you married? I know by that way? <laughs> yeah, I, it's, I don't. I'm not going to let her listen to that recording. Okay, it yeah. Probably won't go well, <laughs> sure. but yeah, I mean, I, I remember walking into a brand new team that I had inherited, and the first thing I did is I walked in the door, and I started implementing this new process for how we, we were able to intake our software development stuff. Uh, this whole new thing, I redid it. as like, man, this is going to be amazing. This is going to be wonderful. And I probably foreshadowed the outcome. It was terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it was terrible. Uh, I did an absolutely terrible job, and I was too proud for the first couple of weeks to admit it, but it turns out it was terrible. I admitted it. I went to the team and did what I should have done in the first place when say, Hey guys, how should we do this? Mm -hmm. What's the right way to do this? And you know, I I finally got to where I needed to be actually asking for input, but it it led through some hardships to start with. And that, and that may not have been
1: your fault in in the sense of, I, I do speak to people quite often who they tell the exact story you just told, but it's, but it's, Either they've been led astray by their boss, like, i.e., hey, go in there and cause up a ruckus so they know you mean business. Uh, Or it's it's someone who's been hired, like a friend of mine was hired to really flip the company upside down from they were losing quite a bit of money every month to being profitable. And it was basically, hey, we've brought you in, you're next on the line, you better go do this, which obviously isn't a great job to take in the first place. But sometimes... Sometimes teams don't understand that the reason a new boss is being so aggressive is because that person is feeling the burden of their boss, which isn't a good excuse. It just, it's all of this stuff. It's funny how perception is reality. And when you aren't really clear on, you know, i.e. you're not listening to your employees or your employees don't really know where you're coming from. It's funny how the signals really get mixed and, you know, ultimately you get drama.
0: Right. So, right. It, it's it's kind of an inevitable occurrence, right? Because there's so many things happening outside of those decisions. And as you pointed out, a lot of times employees don't realize that. They just see kind of the brunt of that action as opposed to the environment that created it. They don't realize all the thing going on the, around it. And that's
1: not their fault. you know. And I think that's what's really frustrating sometimes, You know, going more on the ego side of things. That's not their fault. They don't have the visibility that you have. And so what's right. frustrating is, is owners or managers who get annoyed at their team members for not knowing. It's like, well, why don't they just, you know, or why aren't they just, and there's all those qualifiers that come afterwards, you know, why aren't they just, why can't they just trust me? Or why can't they just do what I say? And it's, it's, and here's, here's where it gets messed up. It's not that they're children and you have to parent them. They're, they're functioning adults. They're professionals. They're amazing. They don't have the visibility you have. They don't have the perspective you have. And so the only way to solve that is through candid communication. Hey, here's here's why we're doing things this way. Or something that you did that was really good was, let's flip it. I want to hear from you. You tell me so I can know your perspective. It makes me think of, there was at my old company, they had done this survey between frontline employees and senior executives on the status of the company and they had, you know, was something like, you know, rate it from one to five in terms of how good the company's doing. And what was so funny was every time the senior executive rated the company a five, this was like over the course of a year, every time they rated it a five, it was like, man, we're doing amazing. The frontline employees were rating it a one or a two. And so that disconnect, that gap there, it's so common in the corporate world because executives don't understand how important that communication is.
0: You're you're right on. Obviously, most of my experience has been in that corporate type of environment. And there's a massive gap between strategy and communication Mm -hmm. that you hear all the time. So often, especially from a mental manager perspective, you're given a direction, but not told why that's the direction, Mm -hmm. how is the direction, what you need to do about it. And then the best part is the employees come to you and ask you those questions that you don't have (laughs) the answer for. Why are we doing this? Well, I don't know, yeah. <laughs> and then they then then they get upset, and then that's when they probably call you and say, "Hey, I need you to fix my middle managers because uh-huh. they're not following my strategy." And what re- really happened was there was a huge gap in communication right. that leads to those challenges. And honestly, I think a little bit of it leads to the second point you talked about, which was emulation especially newer leaders or you know, leaders that don't have an identity yet, they start to read those books on how to be successful. Here's how to manage. Here's the uh-huh. things that you do. And so instead of being themselves and trying to figure out what works for the individual employees, they instead try to emulate. Uh-huh. right? And so what you end up with is that same culture. Uh-huh. Everyone does the same thing because they're just emulating the person in front of them instead of actually being a genuine version of themselves.
1: Well, and everyone has, everyone has their different skill sets, right? And so like for me, I, the way I approach business, I'm very direct and, you know, blunt and (laughs) I used to be a bit hurtful. I, I think I'm I'm much kinder now, thanks to my wife, but, but for someone to emulate me and be very aggressive and assertive when that's not who they are, it doesn't mean they're a bad leader. It doesn't mean you don't you don't need that to be a good leader. All you need to do is own what is your natural skill set. And so, you know, my wife, for example, she's really good at whenever she's uh, confronting is too strong of a word, but whenever she's trying to mentor someone, she's a lot more caring. She's a lot. She listens a lot better than I do. Uh, she has a lot different. She's she's a much different style than I do, and that's that's her. And so, for her to apply it the way I do, or for me to do it vice versa. And you fall in this trap of emulation, like you mentioned, it's not good for the business, but also I think it burns you out as a leader because you're not walking out of what is your natural skill set. You know, you're trying to be something that you're not, which is frankly, just really exhausting. And I think on top of that, what's really challenging is, again, bosses who try to force you to be what you're not. You know, they try to coach you to do something that isn't your skill set. And especially in, in some corporate America companies, Uh, your job's on the line if you're not doing that.
0: Yeah, you're exactly right. And I've seen that over and over again, especially when you're being pushed to conform to a type of leadership style that doesn't suit you. I think one of the challenges with that and probably one of the reasons there aren't that many great leaders is because what we're talking about is Uh self-awareness. You have to actually know what you're good at. You have to know where your strengths are. And I think the challenge that we have is because of the fast pace in the culture today, in the work and environment and everything, you don't really have a lot of time to learn that so much. So many times you're just pushed into a certain mold.
1: Yeah, and there, there aren't a lot of mechanisms. I would say there's not a lot of owners who understand how to play the long game, it, meaning a lot of people are just thinking about that next bottom line amounts. Like, how do we get, how do we hit our numbers for this quarter? Or how do we, you know, we forecasted this many units, how do we hit that? And so because of that, there's plenty of owners out there who are so addicted to the short game of how do we get how do we get the numbers we need that there is no thinking behind where are we going long term and how do we help our leaders get there long term? You know, very few leaders get there just on their own. Just no one like wakes up and they're there. I mean, it happens through constant Studying of yourself and having other people encourage you to do that, encouraging you to think on your skill sets, and we don't—we just don't really necessarily reward that in our culture. It's very much go, 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 and make it happen. So I, I I empathize with people who maybe they don't feel like they're very self-aware because again, we as a society we don't really push that and promote that.
0: No, we certainly don't. Uh, And you already touched a little bit on rewards. It's not really rewarded if you have long-term thinking because the focus is on how do I get through today? Uh (laughs) I'm just trying to to get through today, much less uh, my career. And I think we do forget that our career is a long game. I know Uh that every situation I was working on felt like it was, I don't want to say life or death because that's a little too extreme, but it felt like it was the most important thing in the world. I know that I remember walking into, and this is what i I'd just become a manager. I've been a manager maybe a year. I had to walk in and do a presentation for a bunch of vice presidents on one of our projects, and I completely bombed. I mean, I bombed it. I didn't have the answers to the questions. I thought I was prepared. I felt great going in. I walked out just completely destroyed. Like, I blew it. There's no doubt I blew it. But it's been, I guess, almost 12 years since that happened. And I can promise you, the only one that remembers, that's me. (laughs) They don't even remember. They they didn't even remember they had met me at some point. And so, you know, it is a long game that we're actually playing in those, you know, day-to-day battles. While they're important, if you actually do have more of a long-term mindset of where you're going, where your team's going, it's going to pay a lot better dividends than you realize.
1: Well, I think you have to solve the dysfunction that's keeping you from thinking beyond the day-to-day. I mean, if your day... If your day is full of fighting fires and, you know, running around basically screaming because you're trying to keep your business afloat or if, or let's even go beyond the day to day, if that's you week to week, you know, you wake up on a Monday morning and it's like this pressure of, oh, my gosh, I have so much I need to do for the business. There's probably dysfunction that's in there that's keeping you from playing the long game. And it's amazing how many times I talk to owners who the only reason they're not thinking long term is because they've allowed the dysfunction of the short term to be to be the the overriding voice in their mind um, until you solve that dysfunction it's, it, it'll never change
0: yeah there's so much true to that I think the challenge when you talk about it from a Mental management standpoint is you only have so much control over totally. the culture. There's there's so little you have control. If if your director, your vice president is telling you fight a fire every single day, it, it, it just wears you out. and It's exhausting, and you end up you know finding another job or you just burn out. Uh, I think that's you know the biggest challenge.
1: And what's really funny about that? That's one of the big reasons why I left my last company was we would do these big manager, we would be working with like middle managers or people who were about to be maybe senior execs. And it would be like these big training programs on how they could basically take charge over their company. And what would be really funny is you'd have like this group of maybe like 10 to 12 people who they'd all have these conclusions on, oh my gosh, this is how we're going to make our company go to the next level. But then there'd be no real intention from the ownership team to actually allow them to do that. <laughs> and so here I am feeling I'm feeling almost like it's uh, not immoral, but I, I don't feel good about it. I'm like, you guys just paid 20 grand and you don't even want your people to actually walk out. And not that they're actually thinking, you know, we don't want them to walk it out. It's just that the company hasn't created the mechanisms to allow them to actually do that. And so what this $20,000, dollars $40,000 program becomes, it becomes really just a, a motivational training program. You know, hey, go out there and be the person you were made to be. But all the practical stuff that you're actually going to go do, well, you know, <laughs> your owners don't really want you to do that. So, uh, And that was really frustrating for me. It was like, you know, this, this really it's disingenuous to tell someone, hey, let's develop you and invest in you oh, uh, but we, we actually don't want you to change any of the dysfunction because it's above your pay grade or, or
0: what have you. <laughs> I, I I laugh only because I can empathize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've seen that so many times where leaders just pay lip service to innovation or valuing their employees and things like that because the reality is they don't actually care because that's not what's moving the needle. Right. I remember you know multiple times, well, I have a good example. I remember sitting in a meeting uh, for about a week. It was a week-long training about being agile as a company, right? That's one of the mm-hmm. big buzzwords the last couple of years on right. you know how we don't need to plan for the next year. We just need to focus on the next month. That's what's so important because our plans are outdated by the time a year rolls around. And I felt good about it. Like I was excited. I was like, yeah. man, finally, finally, they're getting what I'm trying to say. And I walked out. I said, "Man, that's great. This is a new company direction. Everybody's on top of it." And then about two weeks later, <laughs> I got an email uh, from our planner and said, "I need your twelve-month projections with every single thing you're going to deliver for the next year." Mm. <laughs> and so, so the agile lasted a couple weeks uh, before they went a little crazy. And they said, "Oh, by the way, if you don't give us this, you will get no funding." at all wow. for any of your projects. <laughs> and yeah. so there's that huge disconnect like you talked about and just it's just not genuine. Let me let me ask you something cuz here's the deal.
1: I, I think it's very so if I can flip it on you and I'll ask you a question, I I think it's very little to do with like maliciousness in the sense of like, you know, there's some like tyrannical owner who's just like, you know, <laughs> he's like, nah, we're not going to do that. But what what does seem to happen everything you just said is so it's such a great characterization of what happens in like the business coaching world in the sense of we're going to, we feel motivated around X, we're going to do X, you know, whether that's being more agile or what have you. And everything you just said, just even hearing your story, I was like, yeah, that sounds awesome. But then as we all know, it just, it pitters out, you know, it falls out and that doesn't ever really happen. And so what, what do you think that disconnect is? Like, why do you feel, why does it seem like that happens so often?
0: Well, I think there's a couple things that go into it. And I think it goes back to the workout analogy. We talk about going to the gym and, man, I, I want to lose weight. I want to do it. But then you get to the gym and you're like, you know what? This is kind of hard. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think I want to do this. Right? So I think you have that natural reluctance to anything that's hard right? Yeah. To any type of change. If they realize it's, there's so many much research about change management and you know I've been through a bunch of training and all that type of stuff and how to do it. But the truth is we naturally hate it. So there's always going to be that obstacle, especially when it's hard. So you have that natural inclination for people to slide back because it's easy. Now, the second challenge I think it is, is because it's slow. So we talked about the pace to actually changing something is something that takes time. It's not something that you can just do overnight. And the problem is they want your results yesterday. And so you don't actually have time to implement that change. So I think so many times when some sort of objective or something comes down from on high, they actually don't give you the time required it would actually take to implement that change. They expect it to happen at the same speed as it did before which is not possible. It's scientifically impossible, but yet that's what they expect. And so when it it doesn't happen as quickly as the old process or the old way of doing things, they throw up their hands and say, see, we knew this was going to be a failure, and so we need to move on. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I think there's a cost. There's a cost to good leadership. And I think unlike the micro scale, what that means is you So like, for example, if you're leading out of your own personality style and you're learning that personality style, you're probably going to have some really awkward conversations with people, especially as you're trying to figure out even, you know, you're developing that self-awareness around what, who, who even am I as a leader? And so on the micro scale, you're having this painful experience of, you know, it'd be much easier if I could just copy what my boss does or what I've seen done. And then on the macro scale, you know, going especially as your company—the one you just mentioned—that was going from, hey, we went, we're going, we're going to go from a twelve-year scale down to a one-month scale, and we're going to be much more agile. Absolutely, in figuring out those new processes, there's going to be money that's lost on the table, and I think that cost on the macro scale. A lot of times, owners, they, it's like, oh, I want to do this, but then as soon as you start seeing the dollars coming out, or, or the loss of time. It's, okay, never mind, let's just go back because that at least, you know, we at least weren't, you know, failing at that point. And again, right. it's, it's being, you're being driven by the short term instead of the long term.
0: So much so. And, and the challenge is usually what you're moving from actually works, right? All People right. know it. They're comfortable with it. It works, but you're trying to move to something better, uh-huh. Right. I think, you know, what is it? The good's the enemy of the great. And and so much of that is what you see. Right. Because the old process, it did work. It just took six weeks. The new process may take two weeks, but it's going to take three months to get everybody moved over. And so you have that three month time span where you're just going to miss some stuff. Everything's taking eight weeks now. And uh-huh. then people start to panic and they say, you know what? Th- this is my favorite phrase of all of leadership. They say, this is unacceptable. Uh-huh. I mean that's what they love to say. And they're like, OK, well, the only thing I can do is go back to the way that I know it works. And so that's I really think that's a big reason a lot of change fails. In addition to you know people just not wanting to change in general, they're not willing to commit to the time it takes to actually make that change. They're not willing to commit to the actual price you have to pay when you make a change, especially if it's a large one.
1: And the problem in I think that statement reveals a big bias, a, bi- a big issue in leadership when someone says this is unacceptable. Because again, your job as a leader isn't, you're not parenting people. I mean, you're not scolding your people. You know, when you're team members, so let's go all the way back to the start. Let's assume you're hiring qualified, great people. And if that assumption is wrong, then then why did you hire them, right? I mean, why why are they even on the team if they're not highly qualified people? So Let's assume you've brought on highly qualified people. So if they aren't being successful in the way you need them to, they don't need to be scolded or reminded that it's not acceptable. They know that what they need now is the the solution that's keeping them from actually being successful. And so often, but see, but see the problem with that is, oh, that usually goes back to me. And I don't like how that makes me feel. And so- <laughs> You know, I don't feel good about this, and so I'd rather I'm going to put it back on you and say, "Hey, just do better." Right? And it's, it's it's you know, it's just it's just funny the things that that leaders and I I don't even call them leaders; I call them managers. What managers and owners do, without being genuine in what the result they actually want.
0: Well, I'm going to go ahead and end part one there. Blake and I go on to talk about all kinds of other topics I think you're really going to enjoy, including how to get Rockstar employees. We're going to talk about that in part two, which you're going to get to hear next week. Thanks so much for listening. And remember, the reward for good work is just more work.